When you see this phrase right hand here, it's speaking of power, authority, and deity. We have a powerful God who is in control of everything. You seek the God who's in control of everything. Now, not some stupid stuff to keep you from sinning. Seek Jesus, the all-powerful God. Seek Him instead. Well, thanks for joining us for this Thursday edition of Equipping the Saints, featuring the Bible teaching of Greg Lundstedt, pastor of Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And Greg, today we continue our look at a passage that is truly life-changing for the believer, if we're willing to listen and obey. You nailed it, Dave, and this passage is Colossians chapter 3. So let's turn there to verses 1 through 4 as we begin. Well, thanks, Greg. Now, if you want to listen to today's broadcast again, just download our new free app from the Apple App Store. You'll find today's broadcast, archive broadcasts, as well as more about this ministry and our teacher, Pastor Greg Lundstedt. Now, let's join Greg for today's message. Have you died to your old life and been raised in newness of life? If that's the case, then this passage applies to you. If that's the case, if you're a believer, then this applies to us. If you have died with Christ, if that's the thing, and then if you have been raised with him, keep seeking the things above. Now, we're all commanded to do this. And you say, yes, I desire to do it. I'm here in this passage. I want to do it. But how do we do it? And that leads to the question, what are the things above? What am I seeking? Am I seeking pearly gates? Am I seeking gold streets? Am I seeking angel clouds? What am I seeking? What things am I seeking? Notice what he says here, and this helps us clarify what it means, because the bad guys could make you think you're seeking the things above when you're actually seeking the things of the earth, right? That's what they're doing, and that's really what this is heading off. If then you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Notice this, very important. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That's where the things above are. Obviously, they're the heavenly things of Christ. They're the exalted things of Christ. He says where Christ is, here's the location. That's the location where we seek it. Seated at the right hand of God. You see, these are the heavenly realities, the kingdom realities, the kingdom values, the kingdom truths centered around the King, Jesus Christ. They are the things of Christ. And folks, by the way, we're not of this world. We see in Galatians 1.4 that Christ gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us out of this present evil age. We see in Ephesians 1.3 that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That's our Christ. is. We know that we are aliens and sojourners on this earth. 1 Peter 1, 1 and 2.11. What about Abraham? Abraham, he lived on this earth. He had cattle. He had situations with his relatives, all this stuff, you know. But he was seeking something different. He understood he was looking for a different country. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, verse 13, and this is in the context of those testified of by God who fought the good fight of faith and endured to the end. God is testifying of them. This is that great cloud of testifiers. This is some of them right here. Hebrews eleven thirteen, And all these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, 
For those who say such things make it clear they're seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they'd been thinking of the country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Seeking a better country. Seeking a better place. Hey, we're here. I'm not somewhere else. I'm here. But we're going to see how we are to live in this world and do the things of the everyday realities of being human and in this world, but not be of this world. That's not a Bible verse. I mean, in the world, but not of it. But it's a principle we see. You see, our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship, Philippians 3.20, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're just passing through. we got to remember this. Yes, you're going to be married. You're going to have asked these different things, whatever it might be of jobs, you know, but we're still just passing through. All those things need to be seen through eternal lenses rather than worldly lenses, as we'll say. And that's the difference. We're commanded to be preoccupied with seeking Christ and his invisible kingdom realities. Look what Jesus says, Matthew 6.31. Do not be anxious then, Jesus says, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? With what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. Hey, they seek the stuff, the food and shelter and everything. You know, that's what they seek. He says here, for your heavenly father, now this is being, setting your mind on things, but your heavenly father knows. Okay, I'm going to redo my mind. He knows. He says he knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. A little earlier, Matthew 6, verse 17, Jesus says, But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you may not be seen fasting by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will repay you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You gotta think that. You gotta think through that. Where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What you treasure. If you're seeking the things below and you're treasuring that, then you're not gonna be treasuring the things above. Now we can commit the things below to the Lord and see them differently, can't we? That's what we're gonna say. Because the bad guys will come and say, well, you need to separate from that. You need to go to the monastery and stay away from everything. You need to treat yourself badly. You need to do this and this. No, that's not what you need to do. You need to seek the things of Christ. You need to set your mind on the things above, as we'll see. And then notice he says where Christ is, and he gives a description, which is really important. Because you need to remember who our God is. We need to remember how powerful he is. We're seeking the exalted one. He says, seated, back in our passage, he was raised with Christ, seeing the things of where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Now, what does this term seated at the right hand mean? And why does Paul share it here? Well, in ancient times, to sit at someone's right hand spoke of a place of honor. And yet to sit at the right hand of a king was more than just honor. It was an invitation to reign with him, to share his rule like a son ruling with his father. God the Son was at the right hand of the Father, and God the Son left his place of authority and position and took on human flesh. And God the Son, the Messiah the Christ, died for sins. He was invited back, as we'll see, to sit back at his right hand. He was invited back. After doing the work of salvation, he was invited back to his rightful place. We see that in Acts 
chapter 2. Peter makes this clear on the day of Pentecost. Turn to Acts 2. We'll start at verse 22. Acts 2, 22. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered up by a predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. Acts 2.24. And God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held by its power. Now, you can read the portion in between. It's important, but for time's sake, let's go down to verse 32. Speaking of the resurrection, this Jesus God raised up again, to which we're all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies a footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified, invited back to the right hand, to his place of authority and power. Jesus shared to the bad guys, the high priest of his trial, Matthew 26, Jesus kept son, the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, 26 verse 63, you tell us whether you are the Christ. Some of God always want to say it in that little voice from those cartoons. Tell us who you are. You know, the, the, the bad guys, right? And he says here, Jesus said to him, you have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. The right hand of power. You see, when you see this phrase right hand here, it's speaking of power, authority, and deity. We have a powerful God who is in control of everything. You seek the God who's in control of everything. Now, not some stupid stuff to keep you from sinning. Seek Jesus, the all-powerful God. Seek him instead. Moses sings of the right hand destroying his enemies. Exodus 15.6, thy right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. David writes to the right hand, Psalm 16.11, that will make me know the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. In thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 17.7, wondrously show thy loving kindness, O Savior of those who take refuge at thy right hand. Psalm 18.35, thou hast also given me a shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand upholds me, and thy gentleness makes me great. Psalm 20, verse 6, now I know the Lord saves his anointed, and he will answer from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father, and he is there after having accomplished the work of redemption on our behalf. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, and he is the radiance and glory of exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He upholds everything with the word of his power. After he made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand. Hebrews 10.9, then he said, Behold, I've come to do thy will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this will, that's Jesus coming, by the way, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins, Hebrews 10, 12. But he, 
having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. The work is done. Seek the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. He's speaking of the exalted, all-powerful Lord Jesus Christ who accomplished our salvation. That's whom we need to be going to. When you've got a problem, you need to go to him. We need to continually seek him, as we're going to see. Don't seek the stuff. Don't seek the fake people giving you fake stuff. Seek the Lord Jesus Christ. Actually, who we set our minds on continually, eventually, does kind of reveal who we are. Romans chapter 8, verse 5, For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death. But the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. You want life and peace? you got to be in Jesus. Set your mind on him, you're going to have peace. you experience his life. Keep seeking the things above. The things of the exalted, all-powerful Jesus who has accomplished our salvation. See this world and its trials and temptations from his perspective. Yes, you got to go to work, but do your work hardly in the Lord. Yes, we're on this earth and we have relationships, but they need to be guided by what God says about those relationships. Whatever it is, God's word needs to be the focus in God himself. You see, remember, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ. He is God in human flesh, and in him we're complete. And in him we have a complete salvation and complete victory over Satan and his minions. Set your mind on it. Set your mind on it. I venture to say when we're struggling, we're not setting our mind on the fact that we're complete in him. I venture to say that when we're struggling at times, now he's a gracious God, go to him, he'll help you. But I venture to say we, we get sidetracked, our focus gets off. So how do we do this? How do we keep our minds focused on the Lord Jesus above? How do we do it? Well, let's take a look at our passage again. If then you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Then notice the second command here, verse 2. Set your mind on the things above, not the things of earth. Here we go. We need to make a decision. Make a decision to do something here. And here it is, to set your mind on the things above. Set your mind, the Greek term is phroneo, which means to think. It's imperative command. So think about the things above. Think about that. Make a conscious decision to focus on the exalted, all-powerful Christ who accomplished your salvation. Make a conscious decision to get your mind back on Jesus. We're to be fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, right? We see that. Fix your eyes on Jesus. So how do we seek the things of Christ? We need to set our mind on them and notice he says in contrast, and we'll see a minute more specifically, in contrast, not the things that are on there. So how I do it is I gotta not look at something to look at something else. I don't want to be like this, you know, and looking at one thing here and here, right? No, I want to be setting my mind on one thing here. So in contrast, first of all, what are the things of earth? They are the visible realities, temporal, earthly things, the things of the world, the things of man as we've seen already. Even religious things, my desire, my needs, my will, my flesh, my exaltation, man's interests. Remember, we saw these things earlier. We saw the things of the world earlier. They were packaged religiously, but we saw them earlier. 
Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, see to that no one takes you captive through philosophy. That's a thing of earth. Through empty deception according to the tradition of men. That's a thing of earth. According to the elementary principles of the world. That's a thing of earth. How the world functions. We saw in Colossians 2, 16 that we're not to focus on the worldly shadows, but the spiritual reality. Right? We're not to be defrauded of our prize by experience. We're to be growing in Christ. We're not to be submitting to decrees, these worldly decrees, in accordance with the teachings of men. To be sure, have the appearance of wisdom and self-made religion, self-abasement, spiritual of the body. Those are the things of earth. That's certainly things of earth. And we certainly know what the things of earth are based on who we used to be before we were saved. It's just, it's just everything absent Christ. It's everything absent Christ. It's living a life separated from Christ. It's thinking through things apart from involving our Savior and His will and desire as revealed in His Word. Yes, we're in this world, but He tells us how to function as those who are out of this world. Yes, say? Listen to this tearful warning in Philippians chapter 3. These are those who kind of made a profession but didn't really have it. Philippians 3.17, Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping, they're enemies of the cross of Christ. Enemy of the cross of Christ, that's not good. It's kind of bad. Whose end is destruction. I don't think they're saved. Whose God is their appetite, whose glory is in their shame. You see that? Go watch YouTube. There you go, right? Glory and shame. That's what you see. Who set their mind on earthly things. Now some might say you're too heavenly minded and no earthly good. Well, if you're truly heavenly minded, you're going to be absolutely earthly good because God gives us his understanding through Christ on how we function in this world. On how we are to think in relationship to marriage in relationship to the world, in relationship to a sudden onslaught of fear, in the relationship to our jobs, in relationship to every situation, God tells us how we're to function. We saw it earlier, the mindset on the flesh is death. And this is helpful in Romans 8, because he says the mindset on the spirit is life. So here's the two things. If I'm setting my mind on the things above, it's in a spiritual sphere. It's not in the flesh. It's not in the things of mankind, and it's in the things of God through the Spirit. We'll see which come through the Word. Remember what happened to Peter when he was trying to be a good guy and stop Jesus from getting hurt, right? Do you remember that? Matthew 6, 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised from the third day. God was sharing his will and what would happen. And then Peter went against that through his own fleshly desire. And it even seemed like a good desire in the moment, right? Well, it really wasn't, because the Lord Jesus was going to die for our sins. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. You see, we need to look at this life from God's interests, not man's. 
What is God's interest for how I treat my wife? What is God's interest for how I deal with trials? What is God's interest for how I serve him? What is God's interest for how the church functions? What is God's interest for how I live and work in this world? What is God's interest for how I interact with non-believers? What is God's interest versus my interest? There's a battle there, right? But we need to see things from an eternal perspective. Slice of vapor, need to see them from God's interests. And where do we find God's interest? In his word. 2 Corinthians 4.16, therefore we don't lose heart. Paul's talking about we're almost dying all the time, serving Jesus, but we don't lose heart and discourage him. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing in for us an eternal weight of glory all beyond all comparison. That's God's truth there. For while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We don't scope out the things that are seen. We set our minds on the things above. It doesn't mean that we're driving along and we can't steer the car because we're thinking of things above. It doesn't eat food because that's not from above. It's seeing everything from God's perspective. It's seeing him rightly and focusing on him. Remember what Paul said in contrast in Romans 8, 5. He says, For those who are according to the flesh set their mind on things of the flesh, but those according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. What are the things of the Spirit? Well, Paul said, hey, we don't come with man's wisdom preaching the Word of God to the Corinthians. First Corinthians 2. He said, we basically come preaching God's Word, and it's spiritual wisdom he says in 1 Corinthians 2.12, Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God. That's the Word of God, and we might know it because of the Spirit. Which things we also speak. The reality is, if you want to seek the things above, you've got to seek it through the Word of God. You've got to seek it through the truth of God, by the Spirit of God. You see that? The blessed man, Psalm 1, he meditates in the Word day and night. He doesn't allow the world to control his heart and thoughts, but God's word. We need to make a decision to renew our minds. We'll see it later on in chapter 3, the renewal. We've got to renew our minds. And we'll see it in Romans chapter 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but transformed through the renewing of your mind. Be transformed in how you think of your job. Be transformed in how you think of other people. Be transformed in how you think of people who are angry at you. Be transformed in how you think of your spouse. Be transformed in how you raise your children. Be transformed. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the ministry of Equipping the Saints, all our audio resources are available at no cost to you. Thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, 
Our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Greg, I think you summarized our passage well when you said, we need to make a decision to renew our minds. Would you reiterate how we are to do that in light of what we've been taught today? Absolutely, Dave. You see, we're to continually set our mind on the things above, the things of the exalted Christ found only in his word. You see, God has given us an incredible view of the things above, the things of Christ in the scriptures. Make a decision to immerse and humbly renew your mind daily. Don't be conformed to this world, but transformed through the renewing of your mind. It's only in the scriptures that we see the risen Lord and are made aware of his perfect will for our every situation. It's only in the word alone that we see the absolute sufficiency of Christ and our completeness in him. It's in the scriptures that we see the very person of Christ who is our life. As we close today's broadcast, here's an important message from our teacher, Greg Lundstedt. Hi, this is Greg Lundstedt, and it is my great privilege to study and teach the Word of God and to share it with you each day on this radio station. And as you listen, I want to ask you this question. Has equipping the saints been a blessing to you? If so, would you prayerfully consider coming alongside us financially? You see, your financial partnership with us is so appreciated. So on behalf of the team here at Equipping the Saints, we want to praise our Lord and thank you for your prayers and financial support. Well, thanks, Greg. Now, to partner with us, call us toll-free, 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. Or if you prefer to send a gift online, our web address is etsradio.org. Well, we hope you make plans to join us again right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints. Yeah.